Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's going on? Much like the Bengals, nothing. It's There's so nothing going on right with now. me or. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's just we we hit the period of early April where the countdown is officially on to draft month. It's almost here. We're weeks away, almost three weeks away. Free agency signings, they're pretty much in the books for the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked about it before we hit record. Probably going to add if they do, it would probably be a camp body if they add any more depth. But at this point, kind of feel like free agencies in the books, I doubt but hey, anything is possible. We see a contract extension with a, a quarterback named Joe Burrow or a wide receiver T. Higgins between now and the NFL draft. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll, I'll take it. Um, but right now, just this past Friday, they did add a little depth on the D-line. Terrell Basham, what did you think about that signing? All right, I don't know much. But the advanced stats look pretty decent for a rotational guy. Uh, seems like. He, he's only had like solid playing experience uh, from 2019 to 2021. Last year, he f- appeared in seven games and um, he made five tackles. So we'll just ignore that because in the three years prior, uh, but we've got 33 tackles, 36 tackles, 39 tackles to go with that 14 pressures, 23 pressures, 21 pressures and that's pretty nice. Two sacks, three and a half sacks, three and a half sacks. That's fine. I mean, this, these are all to me like fine numbers for a rotational guy. He kind of fits. It's probably a, a low contract. I haven't seen the money. Is this like a, another minimum type deal? Probably. Uh, if anything, they draft. If they don't draft a guy like highly, then Basham probably fits that role of, hey, rotational edge. Give Trey Hendrickson a breather once in a while. Um, if they do draft a guy, then you have these two competing and you can never, there's very few positions you can have too many of. I don't consider this to be one, uh, your, your pressure types. Um, yeah, he's 29, I think would be the only thing I'm thinking of is like that. He's probably not getting like a ton better. 6'4", 266. Some people, that's a tweener for the Bengals. That's an edge. That's Sam Hubbard size. Uh, they they like them big. And that's also something that I think we can talk about a bit before the draft for 
people that are into the speed bends, undersized guys, you know, just don't hold out hope that they're going for a Will McDonald, BJ Ojolari type. It's kind of crazy. I'm going to get into some of the prospects. I'm going to stay with the defensive line right now because I know when I look at a lot of these mock drafts and you see what this class is, maybe the first or second round when it comes to the defensive line and, and trench is extremely important uh, for this team. And I feel like they can still add to rotation depth on their defensive line and maybe even an additional starter. But at the moment, it just feels like that won't happen for Cincinnati at 20. I have just, it hasn't, it's been a long time. So maybe what they're doing right now before they get into camp or as they get into camp, they're adding more of guys who haven't signed with the team yet. Uh, When cut day happens, which is going to be crazy this year in the NFL, it's all going to be happening on the same day where teams are getting their roster down to their uh, 53 and, and maybe you're getting somebody off another team. So I just, that's one thing that I'm kind of like intrigued to see what they do this offseason if there is some more added depth on the defensive line or, or maybe that's kind of a late draft pick for them. Yeah, I mean, the fit is there. Obviously, you've got your starting two and Trey Anderson and Sam Hubbard, and you even have your third piece that you want to get plenty of time in Joseph Osai. But after that, you can get Cam Sample in some of those snaps, especially – on uh, mixed downs for a second down and you know you could run the ball he's a good run stopper from the edge but they seem to like him a little bit as a pass rusher from the interior uh to me i i want to have a fourth guy that plays like full-time edge maybe maybe they don't feel that way because they do like cam sample there and maybe they hope jeffrey gunter can step into that fourth pass rushing role or Terrell Basham to step into that role and be the fourth uh, pass rusher from the edge. But all the best defensive lines and especially Bengals defensive lines that I can think of in history, they always have some type of rotation. You know, the greatest part of, uh, well, not the greatest, the greatest thing was pairing Von Miller with DeMarcus Ware, but you know, the most underrated part of that Broncos defense, Shaq Barrett came off the bench. And once you've got a full-time job, you got like 20 sacks. Like that's, the, you know, that's what you want. You want guys like that just, oh, you know, Trey Hendricks is getting a breather and we have to face this monster for like 10 snaps. No breaks, no breaks for the offensive lines you're facing. That's what I, that's what I'd love to see. Uh, so Terrell Basham fits that. He's not Shaq Barrett and waiting, but I do think he gives them more juice as an exterior pass rusher than they've had. I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but you mentioned his name, Joseph Asai. Obviously, everybody knows how the AFC Championship game ended. If that didn't happen, I feel like we would be talking about what Joseph Asai did in that game because he was unbelievable, and, and his expectations going into last year were, were extremely high. What are your expectations for him You know, this season, going into the season with the defense? Man, he's so hard to figure out because if he was a full-time player, this would be the breakout season in my mind. This would be like, okay – this is going to be your, I don't know, eight sack, seven sack season. Like this is the time you're going to do it. But because the Bengals are so weird with his playing time, I think they want to get him more playing time, but they they want to play Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson so many snaps, uh, too many in my opinion. But, I mean, those, those are great players, so I get it. If they could cut back those snaps a little bit, keep those guys more fresh, give Joseph Osai more snaps, my expectation might be like five sacks. Um, Top half of the league pressure percentage, 
type numbers. You're looking at advanced stuff. And most of all, I just want to see more games like the Chiefs game where even if he doesn't get a sack, he ends up, you know, constantly winning on the outside. I guess a good player. He was beating Orlando Brown on a lot of those snaps. Uh, it was a good tackle. Uh, so, yeah, the, I think my expectations are improvement. I think he ended the year with his best game. And it was essentially his rookie year. I get it. I think this is the year you want to see the step up because he's only under contract for two more years. You know, he was injured his first year. Second year, basically a rookie season. He flashed. He also disappeared. He didn't always have the most, you know, he wasn't consistent. I want to see consistently pretty good with flashes of greatness. That's what I'd be hoping for. I mean, that's lofty expectations for a third round pick, but I remember when I watched him, I thought he was like an early second round talent. Um, I really liked him coming out and I think he is the Bengals. I think he has the potential to be the Bengals second best pass rusher. I think people were really excited when they drafted him. I, I can remember uh, that draft pick and a lot of people were like, oh, you know, he, he might be a really great addition to the Bengals defense. And then we saw the preseason game against Tom Brady and then he was injured his rookie year. That was so unfortunate because the expectations were really high last year. Uh, you'll never believe who his agent is. David Mulgetta. Yep. So when those, you know. They have to get a contract done with that guy. See, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully Joseph Osai just has a great season this year. And then the following year, did you say two more years of Joseph Asai under contract? Yeah. So four year deal. Yeah. 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 So uh, maybe just two great years on the defensive side. Then we'll worry about that when we get there uh, to be determined on what that looks like. But I'm excited for Joseph. I I really am. Um, He he played well when he was out there last year, but hopefully he does get a few more opportunities. We'll go over to the prospects because we've talked about these already, but I feel like everybody's going and watching their tape. Now they're reading about them. They're all into the NFL draft. When we were talking about them in February and early March, we're going to start with the offensive line. You are watching the tape. You're seeing these guys. How are you feeling tackle guard-wise when it comes to the Bengals situation of where they're going to pick? You don't even have to say a 28, but just kind of later in the draft on, on if they do pick up that right tackle or even a guard position when it comes to prospects. So I still haven't watched the interior, guys. I just think they're giving Volson that next year. I'm going to watch them, but I, I still have three weeks, I guess, <laughs> kind of procrastinating on it just because I'm like, I don't think they're going to do this, and I don't want to fall in love for an entire draft season and then, like, that happened to me with uh, Landon Dickerson, who went to the Eagles. God forbid they they. Oh, uh, it happened to me last year. Tyler Linderbaum to the Ravens, so that wasn't great either. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're in great spots to take offensive line. At least offensive linemen that I love or like so far, or that seem like good values. Like we talked to Brandon, there's not a lot of those third round, fourth round types. It seems like everybody's like a first, second round. Um, some people have guys they love. I know Blake Freeland gets some love. I don't love him. He's a day three pick to me. Um, Jalen Duncan had some hype, but then he, you know, he was like a 94th percentile athlete, but people were kind of expecting maybe hitting like the 98 being Blake Freeland with the hundredth percentile. So he didn't hit that. So he seems like a day three pick and his tape is a day three pick. Uh, there's, I just can't find a lot of guys that, especially at tackle, that I love fitting into the Bengals. Darnell Wright's the obvious one, and I just don't think he falls. He's a longtime starter in the SEC, played really well against top competition. He's just got all the things that NFL teams typically love, size. Dewan Jones would be perfect 
but then he didn't test at all. He skipped the testing at the combine and it made you think, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's just waiting for his pro day. And then he skips the testing at his pro day and it makes you think like, okay, what's the deal? <laughs> he's 380 pounds. So it could be an actual issue. I think on film, he looks like a better athlete than a lot of these big offensive tackles that come out here. Um, last year, there was Daniel Falele of the Minnesota Golden Gophers who came out and he was like 380 pounds. I just didn't think he moved that well. You, you know, you could be so big, but if you don't move well enough, you're probably not going to at least hit the ground running. I think Dewan Jones moves kind of well. So I'm a little bit surprised he's barely tested. He tested his 40 and that's it. I wanted to see some other stuff, but that makes him kind of like an incomplete profile on film. I'm fine taking him at 28. It's just, I'm not sure after that. I know people might be screaming. What about Anton Harrison? What about, you know, all these other guys? You know, Skaronsky and Johnson are gone. Uh, Broderick Jones is probably gone. Anton Harrison has played very minimal snaps at right tackle. And he also, I I don't see the first round pick. I see a second round pick, which is okay to take at 28 because it basically is a second round pick. It's a little bit of a reach. It's probably going to be guys I would have ahead of him. But to go with that, he doesn't seem like the Bengals type. Uh, I think the Bengals want bigger size. They want a better anchor. They want a stronger player. Because that's what they keep going for. Look, more length. Look at Orlando Brown. Look at Lyle Collins. Look at Alex Kappa. These guys are big. They're strong. And especially in Orlando's case, they're long. So that's what they want. They want Dewan Jones. He just didn't test. So he probably doesn't fall to pick 60. And you probably don't feel comfortable taking a pick 28. So that's my issue in my mind with offensive tackle. At least if it goes according to like the simulators and everybody's projecting, I never feel like taking the offensive tackle is the right call, but I do feel like if you don't take it at 28, then you're, you're just boned on taking that the rest of the draft. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if you can move up in the draft with Jonah Williams to go get uh, Darnell, Wright, Go ahead. Other than that, keep Jonah under contract and let's, let's have a big battle for right tackle. We have, I, my poor Jonah, I got to bring him up again. I really do because this conversation, it's never going to end. And we've said this before, and everybody knows he's going to be on the roster if they can't find a trade partner. And they don't and mean like a, a day three pick. They want a day two pick, I think. And I don't think anybody else is really willing to give that day two pick while their rosters are healthy. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's I would look, obviously, you want, in a perfect world, you want Jonah Williams to be a really good right tackle for you going into this year. Uh, but we know this front office. We know Mike Brown. They won't settle. I don't see them settling because I don't think Joan is going to throw a fit and, and cause any problems internally. He's going to probably Won't just show up. Yeah. And put the stuff on the whiteboard and sell his house <laughs> on his Instagram live. I'll never forget that. Was that a, that was Joe Burrow's rookie year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was uh that was a lot. Uh, but no, I mean, I think the guy's going to show up and, and I've said it before, you know, obviously he wasn't good enough, but at the same time last year, he was average. Some would say a little below average, but Hey, that's all you really need with this offensive line. If he's going to move over to right tackle, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what's going to happen. Lyle Collins don't know what's going to happen in the draft. So at the moment he's on this roster. And I think that's a smart move for Cincinnati, unless they get to draft night and somebody's desperate and their draft board didn't work out for maybe some of the offensive line depth they want to get. I would be a little surprised if they do go off into line at 28, um, just because I think that the top guys are going to be gone by the time, um, you know, their ideal who's on their board uh, by the time they pick at 28. So 
I think everyone has to have a little patience with the right tackle side. It's still April. No games are happening anytime soon. And um, just be determined on, on what that side looks like. So I've said it before, if Jonah Williams is the right tackle going into the season, I hope he's great. I hope yeah. he's good enough. And maybe having Alex Kappa over there would be really helpful for Jonah Williams. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like to be determined. I'll move over on to the tight end side next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, talking a little bit, looping back around about the prospects. I think the tight end room was one of the first positions that we really dove deep into, and, and you've watched plenty of tape when it comes to Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer. Uh, how, how are you feeling about the prospects now? I almost called him Michael Meyer. I know, groovy. Austin Powers. You know what's so funny about that is I joked on Twitter about all the people calling him Michael Myers, and I feel terrible, Michael Mayer. Um, He's from Cubcath, the Cincinnati area. I I almost butchered his last name, and he's one of the prospects that I like at 28. But right now, he's all over the place because early on going into the offseason, a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to be gone. He's the top tight end. Mm -hmm. Now it's the Don Kincaid who's moving up and in the mock drafts and none of that really matters at the end of the day we'll just see what happens on draft night now it's like maybe Michael Mayer is a day two pick but he's not going to be there when the Bengals pick in the 60s but at the same time um how, how are you feeling about this this tight end group and do you feel any better about them going tight end at 28 um if everything goes project like Darnell Wright's gone then I feel better than about them going tight end at 28 than I do offensive tackle just I feel like it's less of a reach whether it's for almost any of those guys, even the guy that Lance Erline had go Luke Musgrave complete projection. I mean, th- that part's crazy. He has 500 career yards. He was doing really well this year before he got hurt. He played in like three games though, but he did have like 200 yards. He was on pace for a really good season. I, 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 I can sell myself more on those guys as complete profiles and players more than I can the offensive tackles. Not that, you know, Darnell Washington doesn't really have much of a receiving profile, but the idea is there. You have Irv Smith, you pair him with Washington, and now this season specifically, your 12 personnel is going to be really good. It should be on paper, at least. It's really good. You've got Irv Smith as your move guy. You've got Darnell Washington as your extra offensive tackle. And he has some stuff to clean up, sure, but he's one of the best blocking tight end prospects I've ever watched. Um, it's funny. Everybody always does these baby Gronk stuff and it's never a guy that can block like Gronk and then Washington. He can't catch like Gronk or anything. Like that. I'm not projecting anything like that, but if you're talking about a guy that can block, man, that's him. Then that's why I keep thinking of him as like a Mercedes Lewis where and maybe it'll take a few years. Tight ends typically do. Uh, that's where I am with him is just like, he could become and might be better uh, in a extra offensive tackle early on. And then later on he develops the receiving and become a consistent 600 yard type guy. Other than him there, you know, Michael Mayer, as you mentioned, you were in love with him at one point and now it feels like it's definitely cooled off. Uh, I just don't know. He's very complete and he steps in and he's a good tight end. I think he is the one guy I, I would take at 28 and pencil in or over Irv Smith as the full-time tight end, probably by like week three. I just think the thing that always gets me with, you know, young tight ends is they don't release well or the, you know, the technical aspects of the game. Michael Mayer 
releases really well. He gets hands off of him. He keeps his body clean. He has a variety of releases to use. That's what I love about his game. It's just he's not an elite athlete, and the testing showed that, and it was on film too. It's not like that was something that should have shocked people. Also, compared to the everybody else who seemed to test as an elite athlete, it makes it look worse. There's there's never an average athlete that's always at the top. You know, it's these, you know above average athletes that are at the top that people question. But he's not an elite athlete, and it, you question how much better his blocking can get from just about fine to pretty good. Can he be an all-around blocking Darnell Washington? Probably not. And I think some of that comes back to his arm length of being 31 inches. But there's some stuff he can clean up and get even better at being a blocking type. It's just, you know, what is the ceiling, I think is what people will ask. I compared him to Hunter Henry, and I think Hunter Henry's underrated now because he's with the Patriots and they're not really using him full-time. Uh, but Hunter Henry was like a 700-yard guy with the Chargers and always seemed to be the next breakout guy. But that guy with Joe Burrow and uh, the Spangles offense is going to be a lot better. So that's my Michael Mayer thought. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, I don't see them being interested in, but it's fun. Uh, he just can't block at all. Maybe in space a little bit. It's just He's basically a receiver. Hey, if you loved Mike Kosicki, you should love Dalton Kincaid because Mike Kosicki can't block a lick either. So if you just want big receiver, that's your guy. He's incredible hands. He's dropped like 1% of his passes over his career. Best contested catch guy in the class, I think, or up there at the top five. And he's very athletic. He's fast. One thing I would say is he can kind of tempo his stuff better. He just kind of goes full go the entire time. He also doesn't release, which is, you know, the thing is like nobody, no tight ends have come out of college with clean releases except Michael Mayer. And the last one was Luke Musgrave, just because he went in the mock athletic, just like Kincaid. He can block a little bit better, Kincaid. If you, Love the idea of Kincaid, but wish there was a ceiling with his blocking. That's Luke Musgrave. There's there's a possibility he can block, but there's no production. It's a big question mark, and there's a reason that I think he's being mocked as a second round pick. But I will say on film, I gave them I gave them the same grade because I just the difference in the production, the difference in what Kincaid's able to do hands wise, you know, catching the ball and where he's better than Musgrave is kind of made up for by the fact that Musgrave's actually an okay blocker. Like he, he actually can move some guys and get in their way a little bit. I don't think I'll ever forget the Florida game for Dalton Kincaid where he's getting bullied by everybody. So that is the quick rundown on the top four because I watched all those guys when it comes to like mid round types. I haven't watched a ton of them. Um, when you talk about the second round, I like Tucker Craft more than um, Sam Laporta, just because I think Tucker Craft is the more complete guy. Sam Laporta, I don't see the blocking, similar to Dalton Kincaid, except he also isn't as refined as a receiver. Tucker Craft, he's not really refined in anything, but the ceiling's there on both sides. He could be, uh, you know, he could become a really good blocker, I think. He's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the ability, and he'd also be a good receiver because he's got the athleticism, he's got pretty good hands. It's just he played at South Dakota, I think South Dakota, maybe South Dakota, I think South Dakota State. He played at South Dakota State, and, and he didn't dominate it. So that's all those guys. Then you get into guys I haven't watched, but I want to watch, like with Schoonmaker, Josh Wiley, the Cincinnati guy, Will Mallory tested really well for Miami. I caught one game of uh, Davis Allen, from Clemson and I thought whatever uh, but you know he's a guy he's like I think he's up there for the best contested catch guy as well so if you're just looking for the red zone threat that could be him so 
Oof, that is the speed run on the tight ends. I hope everybody that's listening is caught up now, <laughs> at least on my opinions. There are two things I want to say. So the Michael Mayer thing, because I've said it before on this podcast, it just feels like such a Cincinnati move. Um, you have Sam yeah. Hubbard. Who's yeah, I think he's the favorite, right? Like if you Joe pick Burrow. right now, who are the Bengals going with? If you had to guess right now at 20 years. Michael Mayer, if he's there. I know. Yeah. Michael Mayer, if he's there. That's, that's what I keep coming back to. Like, I think that's the pick if he's there. So what's crazy about it is it's it's the combine. Obviously, they they interviewed him there and he talked about it. But him just saying, oh, who would a stadium or kitchen footballs from Joe Burrow? Of course, you know, just his family's from the area. And it just feels like such a Cincinnati pick. And not just because he's from I, I say Cincinnati. Cubcath is obviously across the river, but same difference. Um, sorry if anybody gets upset about that. But uh, but he's from the area. And it just feels like this guy is and he would be a great talent on the offense. I mean, it's not like they're just like they're reaching for for someone at that position because a lot of people have them uh now going back in the first round it keeps flip-flopping some will have him in the second round then it's like oh he's gonna go in the top 20 and then maybe he'll be available at 28 and then the Saints pick him at 29 it's just it's absolutely crazy um the the draft boards right now we talked about it well we talked about it we talked about it uh going into even like probably early february the mind your mind is going to change so many times before we get to the april draft and mine has when it comes to position groups uh but it does it feels like if he is there that they they go that way but you can look at a lot of other teams like you can look at the cowboys the green bay packers they might go tight end um yeah. there's just teams before them but i'm kind of hoping i actually uh, said this on twitter the other day i hope all of these quarterbacks because they're getting talked up a lot right now all of them go in the top 20 Every team needs a quarterback. Go get your quarterback in the first round. I don't care if you really believe in the guy or not. Uh, just get all the quarterbacks off the board in the first round, and then <laughs> and then all the other position groups are going to fall to the rest of the uh, team. So I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go with it. But the reason that I'm flip-flopping on the tight end position group, and I'm influenced by social media because I keep hearing, you're going to make me feel better after I say this, it's the position group value in the first round. A lot of people tell me it's a tight end. You know, why are you going to say, and I know they had Tyler Eifer and Jermaine Gresham, but why are you taking a tight end when you can get positional value out of a cornerback, um, which they will need going into the following season? And you you could have cornerback depth if Cheeto isn't ready. But at the same time, a lot of people are like, mm, I'm not really filling the tight end class. Maybe you can get a second round guy. Yeah, I part of me feels like I need to watch more of the tight end class before I have a real opinion on these mid round types. I think when I think of why I think when I think uh, I think of why I'm not fully in on tight end at 28, it's looking at the history of first round tight ends and where do the best tight ends come from? Travis Kelsey wasn't a first round pick. Rob Gronkowski wasn't a first round pick. George Kittle wasn't a first round pick. Mark Andrews wasn't a first round pick. Darren Waller wasn't a first round pick. Like we look at all that. It's like none of these guys are first round picks. Yeah, they're, they're amazing talents that you find day two, day three. So why can't the Bengals find that? But, and I think with corner is the interesting one. If they're willing to take a corner, I would think there's a corner that I at least think is as good as uh, Michael Mayer. So if you do want to do the position value thing there, go ahead. I don't think there will be an offensive tackle there as good as Michael Mayer. And that's just my feelings on Anton Harrison and Dewan Jones since he didn't test. So with that in mind, to me, the positional value thing is more of a tiebreaker within a bucket. 
you have so many first round talents. You have so many top 10 talents. You have so many second round guys, third round guys, et cetera, just to use a loose breakdown. If you have a first round grade on Michael Mayer and the best tackle corner, every other, you know, more valuable position has a second round grade. To me, I'm still taking Michael Mayer. He's the first round grade. Like you don't reach. That's, that's the whole thing with reaching for a position that you need or a position of value to me that's how you end up with sorry to the, the dolphin but like austin jackson instead of getting a guy you know because you're like i gotta get an offensive tackle offensive tackle is a really valuable position we have to take one because we don't have one so let's go grab this guy he's the best available on the board and there's nothing wrong with when the dolphins took him. It's just, he didn't pan out. I guess they also took Noah Igbenogany who hasn't panned out at corner, but you know, just as an example, like there's offensive tackles that go late in the first round and it feels like they could have gotten a better player at a different position. And that goes really with other positions to corner. Think about the Steelers taking uh, Artie Burns after they got sniped on Will Jackson and not taking a, you know, instead of just taking the next guy at a different position of less value, they took their dead set on corner. They need the valuable position. Where else can you get them? Not outside the first round. And then you end up taking that guy and just say, reaching on a guy, sorry, Nick, uh, for <laughs> uh, reaching on a guy. And just because he's a position of value and a position of need, to me, doesn't really work out as often as just taking the, what falls to you. That's why you want to be BPA and have all your needs filled heading into the draft. So tackle doesn't fall to you. You don't freak out and take the next guy. You don't take Billy Price because right in front of you went Frank Ragno. Uh, you, you pivot off Billy Price and you take the best guy available at a different position. So that's why I don't want to be locked into positions. And I don't want to be locked into positional value. This is also Bijan Robinson talk. I would take him at 28 over pretty much everybody that we have talked about. That guy's a top 10 talent in this draft. And pick 28 is almost the second round. I don't really understand why that's such a controversial thing. But I also get people saying they would take um, Jameer Gibbs there. And Gibbs is really yeah. good, but... To me, Gibbs is the type that you're like, well, the value of a running back and he might be a late first round talent, but because of the value, you move him into the second round. With Bijan, it's like a top 10, clear first round running back type. You take that. You take the 28 for sure. Uh, with Gibbs, it's not really a reach. It's just going for a position of less value. So I think that's the other end of the argument of like, that's when you take your other guys over him. I was just about to follow up with Gibbs because I'm seeing that hype now. Because I think a lot of people are realizing that Robinson's going to be gone. I, I mean, I think he's going to the Eagles. I think he's a top wow. 10. That's It just feels perfect for the Eagles. And I think that would be fun for their offense. Um, him Firing going from the hip, I think it's going to annoy everybody. And he's going to go to the Bucks at 19. And nobody will be happy. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, there were some. Um, the I think it was the mock draft of Luke Musgrave. Um, it was uh, he was going to the Bills. Oh, I don't think the Bills take him. I don't think the Bills value running back at all. Really? Oh, I think he would be. I mean, oh, he not, would be super fun there. Oh, you mean Gibbs or you mean Bijan? Bijan. Okay, Sorry. yeah, Bijan. They're definitely not taking Gibbs. I don't think if Bijan was there, I think it would challenge them. The thing is, I think the Bengals would take Bijan. Because I think 100%. they're fine. Look, they paid Joe Mixon. They they don't fall into the running backs don't matter thing. 
Sorry to those who are fully in belief of that, uh, but they they would they would take B. John Robinson because he passes every grade uh, possible. Uh, but the Bills do seem to be in the no running backs are worth premium positions or you know draft capital. To me, at least, that's what I think when I see them. So I think they would skip him, but I don't think the Bucks would. And the Eagles would be interesting because I think they are more like the running backs don't matter analytic type, but at the same time, they just went to a Super Bowl, and you see those teams all the time just kind of go like, uh, Miles Sanders couldn't cut it. Like, what if we had this guy? And it'd be it would be fun. I mean, it'd be super fun. I think a lot of people watched and not a great example because they didn't win the Lombardi and they had a chance to almost two years in a row. But I think you look at this Bengals offense and everybody's like, I want playmakers. Give me all mm-hmm. the playmakers that I can possibly have. And I want to load up on them. Um, and he would definitely be a great addition to an NFL team. Hopefully he just stays out of the AFC North. Uh, <laughs> but we'll have more next Lucky. time. Oh, uh, go ahead. I was just saying, luckily, I think for the AFC North. Yeah, we're good. No, I look you look across and most of the spots are filled. The Ravens are the one scary one, but I don't think they would do it. I don't know what the Ravens are doing right now. But uh, we'll have more next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Fun to revisit draft talk because everybody is all in for the next three weeks until the Bengals pick at 28 and watch them like trade back to the next day and not even pick that night. But uh, we'll see what happens on draft night. I'm really pumped about it because I still feel like it's best player available. Maybe it's a tie in. Maybe it's a cornerback. Maybe they find their offensive line. But I want to bring up this because we were just talking about playmakers and offense. And then you think of the future with maybe this being Tyler Boyd's last season in Cincinnati. I still feel like with T Higgins, if they can't get a contract extension done, that he will be franchise tagged the following season. So I'm almost counting T Higgins in Cincinnati for at least two more years, but Hey, maybe longer, maybe they can, you know, come to terms with his agent and it's a three or four year deal. And he gets another contract again, uh, which would really benefit T Higgins in the wide receiver market, but we'll see what happens there. I think you're still thinking wide receiver, maybe at some point in this draft, I know it's not wide receiver heavy and you are going to watch more wide receiver tape, but if they were, to pick a wide receiver in this draft or even a guy that you've been following or watching. What do you think about this wide receiver class? Uh, so the wide receiver class to me without watching a bunch of guys feels thin at top, which is weird because it seems like every year you have your first round wide receivers that seem obvious Jamar chase, but even other than Jamar chase, Jalen Waddle uh, and Devontae Smith in that same class, Rashad Bateman in that same class. And Rashad Bateman more, I think, is what these guys are like. They're not the Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase types. They seem to be more in that pick 20-ish uh, is where they should go. When you look at the consensus big board, the top guy is 16. So that fits like around pick 20. Um, I don't think there's a guy that they'll love at 28 unless I, – I just don't see it. Maybe the Ohio State guy, Jackson Smith, uh, Najigba, will fall there. But other than him, I don't see them loving a lot of the guys that could be there at 28 because the Bengals like every position, but with wide receiver, they value size. They value size at just about every position. I think maybe not safety. 
But every other position, maybe not linebacker, they don't get the big bruising linebackers. You know, they've got Pratt and Wilson, who I think are a little bit lighter for more safeties. But at a lot of positions, they you know, edge, defensive tackle, at corner, at wide receiver, I think even running back and offensive line, they prefer the size. Look, even at Joe Burrow, he's big, uh, like 225 pounds. It's a big quarterback. So when I look at wide receivers for the Bengals, I think guys that are six feet tall, at least, it, you can give a little bit of leeway, 5'10", 5'11", which I think Jamar Chase is under six feet, but I think he got listed at six feet. <laughs> he definitely uh, did on his And 200 pounds. Yeah. yeah, he was on his tippy toes. You see him next to Joe Mixon. Like, he looks like a running back. He legit looks like a running back sometimes. Yeah, but six feet, 200, which Jamar Chase passes, technically. Uh, so that's what I look at for these guys. And there's a lot of day two, day three types that fit that. Uh, my favorite is one of the two guys I've watched, uh, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. I think he's I think he's just a good football player. And to go with that, uh, when I watched him, the comp came, bangle. Muhammad Sanu. Don't know how he could throw the ball, but Muhammad Sanu is what I see. And I'm like, I'm fine taking that in round three. If this guy turns into Muhammad Sanu or can play at that level round three, that's a great spot. Cause I, I think they could take a guy higher than you think, not round one, maybe round two. I think round three is definitely in play. And I mean, anything past that round, the day three wide receiver seems there's going to be a wide receiver. I think for sure taken in this draft by the Bengals. Like to me, that's almost a lock. They, they love wide receiver. They didn't take one last year. They usually don't go back to back years without taking one. And this seems to be a deep class of high day three, low day two talent. And you have to think about the following years uh, because I just look, I love what Tyler Boyd can do and what he's, what he has done in Cincinnati. I just, it just feels like this is probably going to be it. If you can possibly find, you know, his replacement for, you know, after the 2023 season. Um, And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they figure out a way to do a one-year deal with Tyler Boyd the following year, but um, you do, you have to think about the future. And one thing that I do trust when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals front office, and it's, it's drafting wide receivers. Um, It doesn't have to be the first round. It can be the second or third, um, just kind of mid, midway point of the NFL draft and they always find these stars around the league. And um, I do, I trust them in that room and and you can't have enough playmakers. And how would you feel if at 28, they go tight end round two, they go wide receiver round three, they go running back. I mean, excited. <laughs> That's very exciting. <laughs> I don't know if it's the smartest, you know, <laughs> practice to go three <laughs> skill positions like that on yeah offense that's already loaded at skilled position for this year but it's very exciting very enticing i keep thinking i just if he's there i just keep feeling like zach charbonnet in round two is a lock for them because he fits exactly what they look for big bruising they like these guys because they fit the afc north i think whenever you Mm -hmm. listen to duke tobin and mike brown and all these you know people talk about why you like big players or whatever it's because they play in the afc north big physical division six six something 200 plus like 220 pounds i think in college he slimmed down a little bit to run and powerful strong balance he's good vision he just fits exactly what i think they usually look for in those types of running backs so but if he's not there i could see second round wide receiver in play i think second round is wide open other than that like if he's there i feel like that's the pick but it's kind of like how i feel about the first round it's yeah, if Michael Mayer's there, I think that's the pick. But if he's not there, this is pretty wide open, guys. Um, 
it's similar to that. It's like if Zach Charbonnet is there in round two, I think that's the pick. But if he's not, I have no idea what they're doing. And it could definitely be wide receiver. I keep thinking round three to round round three or round four is the wide receiver spot, I think. But that that is not a locked position. Like uh, I could definitely see it round two, and I could even see it coming in round five if they don't get the guy they're looking for. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just the running back situation just feels like a huge question mark with your with the right tackle going into the draft. And well, like I said before, we recorded last week listening to Katie Blackburn talk about, you know, to, to be determined on, on what the Mixon situation, if he's going to be in Cincinnati, if there's a restructure to his contract. Um, how do you feel with Travion Williams being the Samaj P. Ryan running back number two right now? I haven't Here's- seen it. I haven't seen it. Like people keep kind of posting like PFF stats about it. He played like, what is he pass protected on? Six snaps. <laughs> so he survived on six snaps or something or against backups. Like if the Bengals staff trusted him to do that, he would have done it. That's how I feel about it. But maybe they do. I, The idea is there. <laughs> that's, I guess, as far as I can go about it. I don't think that's going to be how this works. I think they're going to fill that role elsewhere if that is what happens that's what happens i don't think that's going to be their option a i i, I do keep seeing that on twitter though so i know where you're pulling this from mm-hmm. pull it idea. right from social media right from social media because people keep looking at his pff grade on five snaps and thinking you know what that's not bad <laughs> it's like man if that guy plays 100 receiving snaps how does it go i have no idea does that do even the people you know trying to hype this up have any idea how this goes i think i've seen some people say this coaching staff has a plan with him it's like do they wasn't he on the was he the fourth running back and then chris evans they just lost complete trust in so he moved to third i don't even know where chris evans is (laughs) presumably cincinnati when uh but with travion williams i i'm just gonna admit i miss samashe I miss Maje. Yeah. I yeah. really do. And the Zeke thing could still happen. It could. What makes me and and I would be fine if he's you know and and you still I still you still have to draft a rookie running back. Um, if you're gonna draft a rookie and sign Zeke, I do think that means the end of Mixon's time. Do that's you really? Too many, I think that's too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Because Zeke's got to get his. It won't be prime Zeke numbers, but no. you don't sign Zeke to just play passing downs. Like you'll get some, and if you're paying Joe Mixon even $6 million, he's going to get a bunch of carries. And then unless you mean draft a guy in like round five. Yeah. No, but, it wouldn't be like a, okay. I thought you meant like, John Robinson four, at 28 three. and then you bring it all. I don't over. even mean that. Like even a round three guy, maybe really? that makes it, I feel like that makes it tough because yeah. that's probably a guy you think can start. Are you going to waste an entire season where he's probably going to play 10, 20% of snaps? They, I don't think these three-man committees are really the rage right now. It's usually these two-man committees, and I think, I think Mixon or Zeke could make a lot of sense in those. I just, I don't know about making. Feels like too many ingredients. One too many ingredients. Yeah, I want to know. I just wish they would tell us everything. If they could just tell us everything that is going on right now and tell us what's going on with the contract situation with Mixon, then we could say, you know what, this is probably the outlook for it. If they've already restructured it, he's going to, he's going to be the starter next year. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I mean, that's why they haven't restructured it. 
yeah, they're not going to tell us anything. But like I said, I, I think when you see the words, when you when you see them on The Athletic versus hearing them, it just feels like two different things. It really just sounds like, hey, we honestly have no clue right now. And there's not a huge voice of confidence, it feels yeah. like. And I think that is very telling. And back to back, Duke Tobin did that too. It was basically the Kyle Shanahan. Do you remember it was the Jamar Chase draft when they took Trey Lance? And somebody asked Kyle Shanahan, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be your starting quarterback week one? And his response was, I don't know if he'll be alive tomorrow. <laughs> I don't remember that's, that. That's what it feels like with the whole Mixon thing where they're just like, is Mixon the starting court running back uh, week one? I don't know if he's going to be alive. <laughs> it's like, it's, I just, it's like, I, I can't, I think it was something about like, I can't predict anything. What's going to be, I don't even know if we'll all be here or alive tomorrow. The world could end. But but it was just so funny. I just feel like at this point, it is it is a wait and see in the draft. They want to see where the dominoes fall. And if there's a guy that's on their board and they, they can make that decision a little bit easier. I don't feel really strong about the running back room right now, to be completely honest with you. Um, and that's, you know, no, hopefully, you know, if Joe Mixon is starting and, and he's RB number one next year with a rookie on the other side, then I hope he succeeds and he is great and he's fully healthy. And, you know, this offensive line is protecting Joe. Um, I just don't know what that looks like going into this season. And I don't think they do either. And if they can make upgrades, they're going to make upgrades. Um, but at this moment, it is smart to keep them on the roster. Um, you know, if you don't have a plan at running back right now and the guys who are out on the streets who are available just don't fit, you know, with this offense, then I don't blame you. Um, keep them right now and then go into the draft and you can make that decision. And maybe it's post June 1st um, when they decide what to do with him in his roster spot. I just... Yeah, that's one of the rooms and and we can, you know, there's for some reason it feels like there has to be a comparison with the right tackle position and Joe Mixon. Um and I They're hate that wildly different spots. Yeah, I I I, I don't understand in general it. and also their contracts are wildly different. Yeah, I just it's I think it's, some people just I think the people that that don't like Mixon seem to be defending Jonah and the people that don't like Jonah are defending Mixon. And is a very weird civil war raging. And I just wish that both these guys were treated with respect and as people because yeah. they keep getting dehumanized by both sides. I am just right in the middle. And I'm like, I just want, I want people to know, I want Joe, if he's on the roster, I want him to succeed. I've said it before. I hope yeah. this guy is protecting Joe Burrow on his right side. If Joe Mixon is the running back this year, I hope Bounce Joe back. is going for a career year. And he's telling everybody who doubted him this past season, like, look at me, look what I was able to do. I hope that happens if they're both on the roster. At the moment, those are just question mark positions. Uh, we don't, they're not confirmed. We don't know what it's going to look like going into September. Uh, but I did want to bring up the Travion Williams because that was one of the things I was starting to see. And it just made me honestly just miss that the Travion Williams thing reminds me exactly of when the Bengals didn't have a safety sign yet and people started posting uh, Tyson Anderson's RAS score. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, right? Do you remember like going into even free? Agency? Yeah. And my response was basically the same thing. Like, I don't trust it. I guess if the coaching staff does it, I have to though. <laughs> but I didn't even think it was possible to be without Von Bell and oh, Jesse Bates. I knew, but with Von Bell, I was like, Oh, Von Bell will be back. I was like, how do you feel about Tyson Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what the, the that's basically the same question, right? Like, how do you feel about Travion Williams? Like, not great, not great. <laughs> when you have to ask, how do you feel? 
because you you really don't have a I don't have a personal opinion on it. Um, I have no clue. I do want to say this. I did want Travion to return some punts and kick returns last year. I think yeah, he and won. he did a good job, didn't he? Yeah. So I maybe maybe that can be Travion's role. Yeah, that actually scares you about Chris Evans' spot on the roster. It's like he lost that. Okay. What more value are you bringing? <laughs> I just, it's unfortunate. The Chris Evans stuff is yeah. just, I, I have no clue. I have no clue what happens or what's going on. Uh, but like you know, I've said, I think they value size other than Geo, who just kind of made them not value that size. Even Geo is over 200 pounds, though. Uh, I think they just really value size. And Chris Evans, I know he has the long preseason runs. Some of those are bad reads, and he's just a better player, better athlete than the backups on the field and can make that happen. And I also think some of those, I think he's caused, not caused, because, you know, you're not forcing the offensive lineman to grab, but I think he's also at fault a little bit for some of the holding penalties that have sent them back because he's bouncing something he's not supposed to bounce or something like that and just being a great athlete and a great college running back. But in the NFL, they want you – stay in you're you're reading that right every time and uh i don't think he has shown that i don't know maybe chris evans just has a huge year how do you feel about chris evans (laughs) i mean i feel like i would be surprised game on the line game on the line travion williams or chris evans who's going in there on fourth and one to pick it up twitter would say chris evans yeah (laughs) the coaching (laughs) staff probably sent up jamar chase at running back I mean, at this point, Joe, run it in. Um, (laughs) I have no clue. I have no clue. There's still, I mean, there's still question marks, but uh, hey, we're getting there. We're almost to the NFL draft. The next time we record will be exactly three weeks from the night the Bengals are picking at 28. We'll have uh, more guests to come in in the month of April, but I know you're going to be busy on all Bengals. What's up there? Nothing right now. Uh, (laughs) Stay tuned. A surprise. Well, you know, it would be great if, you know, maybe the Bengals would uh, help us out a little bit and create some news and maybe oh, cause was, some extension I news. I was so happy when Irv Smith signed. I was like, ah, finally, something. I mean, it's just write draft reports, but I don't know. I, I, I usually try to write those about guys I love, and I haven't fallen in love with very many players in this draft. I like a lot of them, but I, I just haven't I haven't met my – last year I was in love with, like, Greg Dulcich, and I haven't met that this year. And Kyrie Elam, I loved him too. I haven't come across that. Just Zach Charbonnet. It feels, and and I, I want to say this quickly, and then we're going to wrap up, but it, it feels odd to say this. It just feels like a very underwhelming draft class. Yeah, I think, and I think people were saying that early on. They were kind of like, this draft class isn't what it has been the past couple of years. No draft class is terrible, I don't think. Somebody could try to prove me wrong on that. But if I go through, I can find stars in every draft class. But you don't always have the 2011, 2021 type of draft classes where, oh my goodness, look at all these players. Uh, and this one could be more 20, uh, 2014, I think was was one of those years. It was kind of like eh, throughout a lot of it, but then you still find high-end talents in there. Hopefully the Bengals find that. Yeah. Uh, or at least starters. I mean, you're picking at 28. If you get a long-time starter at 28, that's a, that's a, that's a triple. That's not a home run, but that's a triple. And that's good news if you have a roster, a pretty um, pretty elite, a pretty good roster. If you're a top AFC or NFC team right now, and it's kind of one of those drafts, um, you're just filling in depths and holes for 
a few positions. So, you know, I'd feel like that's good news for the Bengals. Uh, but yeah, Michael Hapsonton, stay tuned. All Bengals. You can follow him over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back later this week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.